0: Hey there, it's Jess Fraser and welcome to another episode of Your Inner Vitality. I'm calling to all the dreamers out there, the ones wanting to disrupt the usual and make change. We're talking all things self-care, worth, confidence, goals, and the importance of showing up for yourself so you can show up for those dreams and others too. Remember, it's not about the magic that we create together here, but what you do with it outside. So let's continue this conversation at Your Inner Vitality Community Facebook group. The link is in today's session notes, but until then, let's hanker in for another good session. So how are you feeling right now with your stress? Perhaps even your levels of depression or anxiety. We are going to dig a little bit more into this and we're going to focus on three main areas today. The very first one is how does this show up for you, those signs and symptoms? Number two, we will be talking about those triggers, as well as number three, your anchors. And I'm going to leave you with a little something that I actually offer to do with. All of my clients, and I even have myself as a good tool and resource for you to have in those moments when things aren't going so great for you, and sometimes when we're not thinking so rational and very emotional, more on the subjective side. So stay tuned. Now, let's dig in, shall we? When I'm thinking of myself, and even last week as an example, actually, I'm going to say this week has also been the same. I was having a low hum of anxiety for myself. And I'm going to use this particular example over the last week or two for myself over these next three points that I was mentioning. So when it talks about signs and symptoms and and how it shows up for you, for me, the best way I can describe it For those coffee drinkers out there, I'm not sure if you're a coffee drinker. I am not. But you know when you have that like tremor when you've had too much caffeine or you finally get that hit? You know, I've had you guys as coffee drinkers always relate to that to me, and I've always thought that that is a really accurate depiction of what my low hum of anxiety is there for me, where it's, you know, can be kind of drowned out from distractions and tasks that I do, but it's still kind of there. And if I pay close attention and really do listen, then I can hear and feel in my body a little bit of that tremor, that shake. It's like a little bit of a, a fuzzy static. That's how it shows up for me when it comes to my low hum of anxiety. Now, where and how does it show up for you? And when I talk about these three points today, I'd actually love for you to come from a place of curiosity. And when you leave this discussion today is to continue that curiosity in your everyday world and explore what it is and how your body actually responds to your stressors. And this is really important because a lot of the times we don't even realize that it's very subconscious or unconsciously that we do react, respond in certain ways. And this is really important that once you have a level of awareness in those areas, it can really allow you to be able to debunk those, you know, be able to counterbalance those uncomfortable, not so great feelings that tend to build up on one another, especially when it comes to anxiety and depression. So here, I would love for you to figure out when it comes to your signs and symptoms, how does stress, depression, and anxiety show up for you? When I think of this, I think of some of the things that my clients have shared with me, or even when family and friends, I have individuals who've shared with me that when they get super, super nervous, that they can actually, their, their fingertips kind of go numb. That anxiety is starting to step in for them. I've had individuals where they break out into hives all over the place. For me, even when it comes to not listening to the low hum of anxiety, it builds up. And that's when I start to get those migraines in place. And those migraines, if I if I'm not even paying attention to those, can be even not just painful, but blinding. Like I get, I get, pixels in my eyes that I can't even see as I'm going through those migraine episodes. And that, I can tell you, is when I see the escalation of my stress go up. Another really common thing is when we start to go into shallow breathing. So I'd actually love to share with you guys a little bit of science when we're talking about those signs and symptoms. So the anatomic nervous system has three main parts. The first one would be say your sympathetic nervous system. We also then have the parasympathetic nervous system, the intricate nervous system. And the intricate nervous system actually works separate from our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. And that is where our GI track, when it comes to all the digestion and how our food is processed throughout our body, say, not just food. When it comes to this part, Though it acts separately from the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, it is very much influenced by those two nervous systems. And the reason that I actually want to share those two parts of the nervous system for you is the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight. When we go into that shallow breathing, it automatically stimulates your sympathetic nervous system sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight mode. It's the pedal to the metal. It's get on the gas. There's an emergency situation. Things aren't going well. Let's react. We're in a dangerous situation. To be in that state of constant nervousness or that low hum of anxiety that I'm exampling to you today, that there, if it's not addressed and it doesn't doesn't stop or slow down, can then start to escalate because your body is saying, hey, you're not paying attention to me. You're not seeing the signs and symptoms. I'm letting you know that something's going on. I'm going to give you something more. Okay, you're telling me there's danger. So I'm going to continue to keep you in the sympathetic nervous system. And this is where you can go into a whole slew of things adrenal levels start to come in play, you know, they title that as adrenal fatigue or, you know, you're starting to feel tired, worn out, constantly not being able to have that energy that you're looking for. So these signs and symptoms that if they're not addressed in the early stages can really build up and then that can really build into the level of anxiety, not just a stressor of something tiny, but building it on into anxiety and depression. So I talked about your sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is your state of rest and digest. Your sleep, this is where you're taking your foot off the gas, the relaxation, nice, deep cleansing breaths. Your body needs this in order to rebuild, repair, And this is where if we're not careful and we don't have that parasympathetic nervous system activated, you know, it kind of counts as a balance when it comes to your sympathetic nervous system. Hey, back in the day when the lions, tigers, and bears were chasing after us, we loved the sympathetic nervous system. It really helped us out. It prevented us from dying. You lived another day and you're not in this world right now where you're always being chased by lion, tigers, and bears. So you have to make sure by taking care of yourself, you're going to be able to shut off that sympathetic nervous system. And give that a break because there's going to be times and definitely it's important to have that put in place, but you don't want your foot on the gas all the time. Just think of a car. You fuel it up and off you go. But once that tank is empty, it really can't go any further. So what happens when you don't have the fuel to burn and your foot's still on the gas? This is the reason I want you to start getting curious with yourself. So when I was talking about those signs and symptoms and how they show up for you, the one thing with stress, anxiety, depression, is that it can show up in so many different ways in our life. And it's not as easy to diagnose as it is for those individuals that have low blood sugar, like hypoglycemic, or those who have asthma, because my breathing is bad, I have asthma. Now, when you get into the deeper parts, when it comes to that depression, there are some things that you want to be mindful of. Things that you can't do anymore that are just your everyday basics. The idea of just getting out of bed brushing your teeth, taking a shower? Are you isolating yourself from other people? What are the thoughts that are going through your head? Are they negative? Could they even be to a level of scary? I talk of this because it's something that is so near and dear to my heart. Mental health is important. It's imperative that we're taking care of our mental health. But our state of mental health can change and our ebbs and flows are going to change through mental health. It's not incline or decline. It goes up and down. It's a roller coaster. And sometimes unpredictable. I have gone through my fair share of anxiety, depression, and I've had my very low moments. And from this has created my want and desire to make sure I am very aware of what my body is doing and telling me mentally, physically, what is it trying to tell me? So this week, when I started to feel that low hum of anxiety, I sat with it. I didn't numb myself. I tried to understand what am I feeling right now? I need to quiet myself down to hear and feel and understand what it is that my body is trying to tell me. And also, you know, not just having that low buzz, it's like, what else am I experiencing? I don't know about you, but when I'm under great levels of stress or consistent levels of stress, I get so forgetful when I leave the keys in the door of the house or lock them in the car. I instantly know, you know what? I need a break. I'm experiencing stress. I'm stressed about something. I'm getting foggy brained. I don't remember certain things. This is also a sign for me too. So we've gone through number one about the signs and symptoms. You know, I've talked to you a little bit about what depression can look like. How stress can show up to you can be very very vast and wide. So be curious. And I encourage even for the next one to three months to keep a journal of what you're experiencing. Sit with yourself. And I don't mean you have to go into like a meditative mode, but just that quiet. How is my body feeling right here, right now? Am I feeling short breathed? Am I tired? Am I actually fearful of something right now? Where is this going? and What's coming up? This brings us into the triggers, and this is also really important. And another thing that you may also want to document when you're in those moments of trigger. Now, triggers are things like people, places, things. So, for number two, when we're talking about those triggers, you want to get curious with those three areas people, places, and things. These triggers could be a trigger to a memory, it could be how an influencer is in your world, like your environment can heavily influence your response to stress. A person can do the same, just as the same that it could also offer comfort, people, places, and things. When I talk of this though, I want you to get curious where, when you're in this place, what is it that you're experiencing? What is the trigger behind this? So when I say people, places, things, let's go through some examples. So a place could be your place of work. It could be a person, could be a friend, an old school friend. It could be for a thing, clowns. I know that's not some things that people are fans of. They could be a trigger. They freak you out. When you can start to see the things that trigger you, This will allow you to be able to better make change. Without change, no change is going to happen. And this is where I want you to get curious and help you understand those things that trigger you because when you're in these areas and for long periods of time where maybe the person that's triggering you is someone that is close to you, that means well, but really isn't serving you. But you don't realize it because you've been in that influence, that environment, that place for so long that it's just normal to you. It's what you know. So this is where we're not really conscious sometimes of those triggers and stimulants when it comes to our stressors, things that set us off. Now, when I mentioned about making change, now this can be tough. But being able to figure these three steps out are going to be important. But more importantly, the first two is understanding what you're experiencing and how it shows up in your body and also understanding what is triggering those offsets. When you get very clear with those, it allows you to go into step number three of your anchors to be able to more accurately and more effectively conquer that feeling, whatever it is that's happening in your body, to be able to offset and counterbalance that. Now, we can't always avoid all of our stressors. That's just reality. But there are some that we could change. And if we can manage the ones that we can control, it'll help us be able to better manage the stressors that you're not able to control. And the same tools and resources, those same anchors, can be used for the ones you can't control to help counterbalance when you cannot actually completely remove. I'll go back to the example of people for a trigger. If it does happen to be that friend of yours that always seems to get you off guard, Whatever it is that's setting them off, it's no longer serving you that relationship. You may have to assess those circle of people that you are around. Is it serving you to be in this relationship anymore? Is it serving you to be in this relationship now? I'm all for, you know, relationships are a give and take on both sides. But if you are chronically giving or you know, subduing to or pleasing the people pleaser in you. If this is something that also is an interest to you, I'd highly recommend you listen to episode number four about the people pleaser. Because this trigger, if this is a trigger for you, how can we change that up? When it comes to the anchors, it isn't so much about, say, necessarily removing those things. Those are things you'll have to actively look at or change or the dynamics of the relationship, the dynamics of the environment that you're in or you expose yourself to, those things you'll have to look at and work through. But when it comes to the anchoring component, these are things that you can put in place to help you combat stressful situations. So I'm going to give you an example. A trigger for me is being in crowded areas. Like it was severe for me. I'd have the sweaty palms, short breathing, you know, talking about that shallow breath. I was in the sympathetic nervous system for sure. My body was like, okay, where are all the exit strategies? Who are the people in the room that I know? Okay, I can go over here and get a drink and just be like, I just need to go to the washroom, know where the washroom is. I was constantly in that state of emergency whenever I was in a room, whether I knew the group of people or I didn't, a big group gathering. However, it was holding me back. It was preventing me for being able to explore and be a part of this event as best as I could possibly be and be able to fully emerge in that. So I use this example because I didn't wanna get rid of going to big events I wanted to be a part of them more, be able to enjoy them though, the how others perhaps enjoy them. So this is where I had to find some anchors to help me in those situations, counterbalance the fear, as I was also learning how to rewire my thought process of being in big groups. And some of those things could be how I would prepare before going into an event, how I would be able to take care of myself during the event, and then also how do I recuperate and how do I work on post-event. So there's three things to consider when you're looking at anchors for yourself. The pre, during, and post. Why would you need post? It's already done. But you want to acknowledge it. You also want to assess it How did it go? Was it a success? Did the anchors I used before and during work? Maybe I need to celebrate. Maybe I need to journal this down. Maybe I need to see what the next step is so that when I go to another big event, what is it that I'm going to tweak, change, keep, whatever it is that I want to do. So think of when you're looking at your anchors, some things that you can prepare for, things that you can do during those situations and things that you can do after. Now, you know you can't always prepare for situations, but what you can do is by having some of these anchors in place, the during part, you can do those types of anchoring things on the whim, no problem, that's what they're all about, so you can pull those out at any time. So I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of what you could do to help yourself with some anchors and anchors that you're more than welcome to try out and see if it works for you. So some anchors for me is about preparing ahead of time. It may be about making sure I have everything packed, all ready to go beforehand. That could be an anchor, be organized. Another anchor could be for me, my tea, having a nice tea. Now there's science behind that. That nice hot drink actually increases your serotonin levels. That's your like natural happy pill for you. So a nice hot tea for me is ability to help me feel better. And scientifically, it does. and I, I feel it. <laughs> so that there I can actually prepare and have on my ride too. I can be sipping that, going to the event or when I first wake up to kind of get me into that positive mindset. Some other anchors of things you can do too is for me, listening to music. Love music helps me during any kind of mood. I have playlists for all different moods. <laughs> so music is important. So other things could also be just as simple as breathing. So if you've never heard it before, it's boxed breathing, where you take a nice deep breath in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, you exhale for a count of four and do that three or four times. That box breathing can help to mentally reset you. Can also help to set off or to turn off the sympathetic nervous system because you're nervous right now, perhaps in that situation, and you can recalibrate, bring you back into a bit of a, a parasympathetic nervous state. Even things like touch, and I know this may sound a little wonky, Even going through and just taking one hand and caressing the other hand, very calm. And paying attention to how it feels when you caress the top of the hand in between the fingers and the palms slowly. You can do this anywhere. Those two tips are really good for the during process or the unexpected, those nice deep breaths holding the breath, exhale, even just the hands, rubbing your hands. You can do this anywhere. You can be rubbing your fingers together. These things can help with just calming you down, bringing you down from those levels of stress. So I've already talked about the post. Make sure you're recording your successes and be kind. If this one thing I can say to yourself is be kind for yourself. This isn't going to happen overnight, these transitions. So you still could have, A, those stressors and triggers occur as you're going through and trying to minimize them or counterbalance them. There's also going to be times that you're going to have setbacks. And that is completely normal. You may go into a group of people and you weren't expecting it. Or whatever it is, you thought you were doing great, but something set you off. The bus was late, this, that, and everything else. And now you're having to rebalance and recalibrate. And maybe it was a disaster. And making sure that you know for yourself, it is okay if it doesn't always work out. And you do have those days that aren't going to be great. The constant and most important thing is that you just get back on it again. Keep going, keep at it, keep doing it. The more that you do this, what you're going to find is the better you can counterbalance these situations, the quicker your recovery will become. And that is important. That is success. One step at a time. It may be backwards, but just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. So here are those things that I was offering to you as those tips. So we want to make sure that we are really paying attention to how our reactions are, so the response, your symptoms and signs, and then number two, your triggers, and then number three, those anchors in place. And when you look at the anchors, my encouragement for you is think of the pre, during, and post. So my homework for you is over the next, say, three months, I want you to get curious with your situations and take those pre, during, and post anchorings and explore and try them out. Do you like what you hear? Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and give it a five-star rating on Apple. Now remember, the conversation doesn't stop here. Be sure to join us in our Facebook group, Your Inner Vitality Community we would love to hear from you. What were the golden nuggets that you took away from today's discussion? And more importantly, what actions are you going to take? Now, if you're also not a subscriber to the monthly newsletter, Finding My New Normal, make sure you also subscribe today. Don't miss out on any of the good stuff happening within this supportive community. Both of these links are available in today's show notes. And thank you again for joining us and be sure to stay tuned for the next episode of Your Inner Vitality. Remember, it's your time.